Welcome to another episode of the Covenant Community Kids Podcast. I am Jackie Jones. I'm Evie Jones. And our guest today is Anna Patty. Hi, Anna. Hey. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I am so incredibly excited to be doing this. I'm like, I mean, I feel like a fangirl. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I love the, the show so much. Oh, wow. Thank it's, you. And it's and I'm just so grateful for what you guys are doing. It's it's so absolutely incredible. The the you're redefining community for those of us who are post community. Okay, so, well thank just you. come on and make me cry right away. Jeez. <laughs> I may need to take another break. <laughs> oh thank, thank you. you so much. I'm, I'm uh, so yeah, glad and to I'm not that. I'm really not like sucking up. Like I'm just like <laughs> it's really been important what you guys are doing. It's oh, you know that's awesome. Wow. I'm really glad that it's been helpful. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, super helpful. And, Good. Yeah. And it helps put together the pieces of what would otherwise be a kind of intractable puzzle Hmm. yeah so from listening and every going from listening to wanting to be a guest what was that transition like i don't know if there was a transition i think i was about like (laughs) five minutes into the first one (laughs) that i listened to (laughs) when i was like oh man this is amazing um yeah so i was already kind of thinking of that and then once i was once I listened to Rena's and Simon's, I was like, I'm mm. in, I'm in. Wow, yeah. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So did you know Rena and Simon or any of the other guests who have been on? Or was it like... I mean, I've seen, you? you know, it's like we've been in the same periphery, especially the people from kind of more our generation. It's, you know, it's like I saw people at prayer meetings. It's, it's yeah. weird because there's like way more people in this community it's a worldwide community so there's tons of people but it's also a very tiny planet you know yeah, that yeah. we're all living in so everyone at least knows so there's like no more than like one or two degrees of removal with yeah. everyone yeah that's crazy it is interesting to me to see how we perceived each other while we were all still in community and then how that translates to once we're out like there's definitely those people that i was like oh you're so cool (laughs) i would see them at (laughs) prayer meetings and then um you know still feel that way yeah Yeah. getting to know each other as adults yeah yeah and like so remember when we saw each other praying in tongues that was weird (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, no, it's wild. Although I don't have very much contact with people from the community still. There's yeah. one or two people. Well, I've got some high school friends, too. I want to shout out, give a shout out to them just because they're Please awesome. Do. Yeah. But um, my, my friends, Matt Rohana and Brett Karpak, were FGR people. Um, oh, yeah. and, and they went to a lot of the prayer meetings and stuff and, you know, did some of the retreats. And they're both just, I, you know, I, when I left community, I lost everyone. Uh-huh. But those two guys were, they're just good people. And so mm. I want to, like, give them a shout-out because they're, yeah. they're really I incredible. Miss. I love um, that. But, you know, and I sometimes talk to Gina Kazanjan. But other than that, mm-hmm. I literally talk to no one from back home. Mm. Like, yeah. And, I, and I, until recently, until listening to your podcast, I hadn't even thought of, like, well, there's obviously people who aren't still drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, right. <laughs> it's, right. I'm not the only one. Wow. I'm really oh, glad that you found wow. that here. Yeah. So if you don't mind telling us, what is the main reason why you don't talk to people in community more and why you lost everybody in your life? Well, I am a transgender woman. I uh, was identified as a boy when I was born, and that was not my gender identity. And once I came into my own and... um, embraced authenticity um Mm -hmm. basically the the gates of the settlement were open and i was thrown out to the wolves and i kind of just you know friends just never called back um the only the only contact i did get was extremely negative people uh you know was messaging me who I hadn't heard for years maybe you know like uh, oh, wow but but messaging me all of a sudden now that I was transitioning telling me that I was um 
you know, going to hell or oh, no. that I was extremely confused and sick. And oh, geez. so, yeah, the only contact I did get, if it wasn't just absolute silence, um, was, was pretty horrible. I'm so sorry you went through that. Wow. Yeah. And also is... so like proud of you for finding that authenticity despite it. Well, That's really cool. Yeah. That takes a lot God, of strength. So admirable. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, I, I think that I kind of think it couldn't have gone any other way. Mm. I think that I waited is I, I can't even imagine having come out of the closet at a different time. If I'd come out earlier then. So I was put through um, conversion therapy, ex trans, ex gay therapy. Oh. If I come out earlier, that would have happened earlier. <sighs> and I right. think I probably would have committed suicide. I think it's very, very yeah. likely. And if I hadn't come out, wow. then I would have continued with the false role I was playing. And I also think I would have committed suicide. I think that I wow. came out at the exact moment that I could. When I was at my breaking point, I couldn't do it anymore. But it was the first moment at which I could break free. Oh, so yeah. I feel oh, I feel lucky to <laughs> oh be alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you're here. No yeah. kidding. It's the start <laughs> Hi, no. And what a like positive <laughs> perspective too to be like that no that was the right time like even though yeah. it was insanely Thanks. difficult I'm sure to to have that perspective of like it happened when it was supposed to is It happened when it needed cool. to you know yeah. I, mean, I think Yeah. We I think we all have a reserve in us that you know it's like when 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 shit hits the fan Mhm you find that strength because you have to. Yep, totally. You know, it's not some yep, special, yeah. like, I don't know, some special power or something. It's just like, <laughs> right. why do you, why did you, you know, why does someone run into a burning building? Because they have to. Or why does someone right. do, I mean, really mm -hmm. anything kind of, any kind of extreme move mm -hmm. is, is done because Necessity. that's what the moment demanded. And for me, I needed to run myself out of the burning building. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that like trauma survival mode is so cool. <laughs> I'm like fascinated by that in myself and others. The resilience but, like, of humans. Is well, you know, yeah. the sun still rises. So what are you gonna do? You know, yeah. you got to figure something out. That's yeah. cool. So um, if we could back up a little bit, mm -hmm. what was like your um, experience growing up in community or community adjacent yeah. worlds? It was, it was interesting. You know, it's, it's hard to unpack sometimes because there are so many things. It took me until I was in my twenties to understand that I could want things for myself. Mm. You know, like there are just, there are so many things that we, we accept to quote the matrix. We, <laughs> we accept the reality that we are presented with. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it was very uncomfortable, but it was also just kind of what I knew. Um, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, it was a mixed bag insofar as I'm kind of a naturally very spiritual, mystical person. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that part to some extent felt natural. Um, yeah. I especially feel early on. Yeah. Um, like I have pretty good memories of work of Christ on the whole. I had a fun mm -hmm. time. I also didn't fit in the tiniest bit, though, and there's mm. plenty to unpack there. I We got these awards at the end of the... Oh, yeah. Uh, like in our cabins, the, the counselors would give these the, like, awards. The, like, paper plate awards. The yeah. Paper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and my award was that I was malleable. Um, oh. <laughs> Whoa. That's yeah. okay. It's, you know... Right. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with that at the time. I still don't <laughs> yeah, know what to do uh, with that. Thanks. You know, but it was it was a pretty good snapshot of um oh, I kind of, you know, I just I, you know, I wanted to be in the Girl Scouts. I was in the Boy Scouts. I didn't like soccer. Yeah. I played soccer my entire goddamn life. Um mm -hmm. and in general, you know, I just I was in a position of my most basic just kind of desires, instincts and understanding of the world. I just learned from an early age was wrong. And so mm. what I have to do is get really, really, really good at picking up at adults' intentions mm. and what it is their expectations are, whether they're stated or not. And being in the community, yeah. plenty of it was stated. Right. Um, but also plenty of it was stated in other ways, like by simply the way the society is structured. 
mm-hmm. you know, regarding gender norms. So I, and, and, but then on top of that, that kind of malleability, that, you know, self-surrender, all oh, that jazz yeah. was I remember that phrase. highly, highly uh, encouraged, Yeah, you know, and, and put on a pedestal. So, um, and I think at times I got, I mean, at least, especially when I was younger, like, mm-hmm. I mean, the adults in the community liked me because I was pretty well behaved and was mm-hmm. obsessed with pleasing adult expectations uh, and being mm-hmm. malleable. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I did that too. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's a, there was, there were good parts there. There were enjoyable parts. Like I enjoyed the camp songs at work of Christ, but mm-hmm, there was, yeah. there was this like through mm-hmm. line through the whole thing of, um, kind of being trained to be a like a, a rag doll for Christ, you know, just Damn. Oh, wow. not really yeah. having my own my own agency, my own desires, my own yeah. will. Right. Oh. So that was I guess that was wow. how it that was kind of the encapsulation yeah. of the vibe of pre puberty. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Um but pre puberty it's possible to get by being a little more just kind of nerdy and androgynous <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> Or just mm-hmm, nondescript, um, yeah. you know, but from puberty. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, then they really start shoving it down your throat. Um, the the various expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. it was, and my experience was very surreal of, I the the example I give of like kind of what my experience was like is, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think this is, I give this as a general for just like the trans experience, but I think it's probably more properly me being trans in that environment mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. the, uh, the movie, she's the man. Oh, which wow. is the retelling oh, yeah. of, uh, is it 12th night? That's a retelling yeah. of, yeah. Um, like it was just like, it was like being an agent behind enemy lines. It was just such a weird uncanny experience all the time hmm. of just kind of never, and and never quite, I never I never got it. I, I there was, I never really totally understood what this whole being a guy thing was. I was supposed to be doing, but I tried really hard at it because mm. I was very self perfectionistic, um, and and I would do research because I, I need. I felt like I needed a manual because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how to do uh-huh. it. Yeah. So I I, I, and I got put on my lap, like, just this absolutely disgusting stuff. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Wild at Heart and the art of manliness oh, yeah. and this. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah, I remember yeah. those. Did you read them? Oh, I read them and I reread them. Okay. I, and I, and I was like, and I, like, gave Wild at Heart to one of my guy friends. It was like, what do you think? And he was like what is this <laughs> like it you know oh, it's like was this a community friend uh yeah actually it was well um an ftr friend um okay. and and they were just kind of like well masculinity is just you just like you are <laughs> like, oh. you just are <laughs> yeah it took me a while before i ever experienced that like oh this is what it means to be just who you are. Oh, be, yeah you know <laughs> oh i'm so yeah. glad you feel Dang. it now so you um were were you in Word of Life? So I guess yeah. No, I'll give some background about that. So okay. my dad was in UCO. Uh, okay. He was born and raised in Long Island. He came to he went to University of Michigan. Came to UCO. He decided to stay in Ann Arbor. And I think okay. I, the community was a huge huge part of that. But my mm-hmm. parents they did not take a side in the schism. They were really oh. sad about how people that they knew mutual friends had turned against each other. So they, after the schism, they kind of had a foot sort of, and I feel like we were closer to word of life, Okay, but we, we weren't quite, we weren't a card carrying member of either of the covenant communities. Um, But my entire life growing up was for me, the hub was Christ the King. And for me, the, who I, in my mind saw us the leaders were father ed and ralph martin they were kind of in okay. my head the yep. the big honchos right um, and the centers of like my universe but i so i wasn't in either covenant community but i went to tons of their events i went to okay. the 
Tuesday night prayer meetings, Mass at Christ the King. I went to school at Spiritus Santos, and okay. then I went to school at, at Father Gabriel Richard, and my siblings mm-hmm. were homeschooled within the community, and um, our whole life was on Joy Road. Our yeah. Whole, or, or yeah, you know, yeah. I was going to Domino's Farms for, uh, yeah. or to the Adoration Chapel or Our Lady yeah, of Grace yeah. Bookstore. Like, that was that was our world. Whoa. <laughs> that mm-hmm. throwback. Yeah, <laughs> <Lady> throwback. <laughs> And Pine Hills and Work of Christ and Life Teen and Steubenville stuff and that whole, you know, praise height circle. So that was, that was, I mean, yeah, that was kind of our world growing up. Um, and so I, I think I started speaking in tongues at Work of Christ. I think that's where a lot of us started. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and the... I don't know, the charismatic renewal was, I didn't, I mean, it took me a while to even understand that, like, this wasn't, like, normal Catholicism, you know? Right. But, mm. um, yeah. But that was our world. And then outside of that, too, um, this wasn't community, but, you know, my mom's side of the family was, like, super kind of ultra, ultra Catholic. So, okay. Um, it's, and that was the family that we were actually, like, in touch with. Um, we kind of, were suspicious of my dad's family because they, you know, they were outside of like what we deemed as hmm. our superior society. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, but so it was kind of like everywhere I turned, just it was, it, it wasn't 100% charismatic. It was like 80% charismatic, but it was all just very, very counterculture, Catholic, ultra conservative. So, what did it look like um, when you were with your? mom's side of the family for it to be ultra catholic but not charismatic well um thing is our our kiddos in my family were were very well behaved and so we kind of like were a little evangelists <laughs> <the charismatic renal. laughs> because i mean there the family was like a little suspicious of okay oh, yeah know, of yeah. some of it i mean you know yeah. all you have to do is show up to a mass yeah and, and you're like what <laughs> is going on yeah. but they also didn't really question it because, like, we were also just so gung ho Catholic that they were like, "Well, acceptable. You can say your creed, and you know, yeah, and and you know what a novena is, and all that mm-hmm. stuff." Um, mm-hmm. So Got the basics uh, covered. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I did. I think I at some point baptized one of my cousins in the spirit because I was oh, like really whoa. into. At a certain point, I was like, I am. My life path is going to be like renewal ministries. And then after that, I was like, I think my most likely trajectory would have been like a theology master's or doctorate and then like trying to get a job at Sacred Heart Seminary or something. Oh, like yeah? I was like really oh. into like the the new evangelization, they called it. And I was I was deep. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm curious if you're willing um what was, from your perspective, the mission of Renewal Ministries? Oh, if yeah, If you could sure. encapsulate it for someone who didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is going to be, in my opinion, because I don't right. know the yeah, full totally. history. Absolutely. I mean, the history of these things are so is so confusing. Just your perception. Um, but it's like a, it's an organization that I believe is like an offshoot from, from a, I mean, is it Word of God? I, I don't know. Um, it's... It is Ralph Martin's brainchild, I believe. So, yeah, I worked there for several months a oh, lifetime ago, so I should know. <laughs> but I was yeah, like, maybe Anna has too. new insights. But I don't know. I've I've like d- dumped so much useless information, you know, over the years. But it's surprising what I will remember. Well, so basically, they were an a missionary. Uh, I guess missionary organization because it's a mixture of evangelism mm-hmm. and charity, yes. which kind of is what you know. And, and but also, it wasn't just the evangelism was to the charismatic renewal, baptism in the spirit. Um, it was you know, I mean, it was it was theoretically non-denominational. So it's you know, bringing it wasn't just that's the thing is it, it wasn't just evangelizing non-Christians mm-hmm. to be Christian. It was evangelizing Christians to be this brand. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. that's a really good distinction. And then it's, but then it's also paired with like I, I went to the Mexico mission trip, which was, oh yeah, um, which was working with. Uh, we basically went to there are these people who live in the garbage dumps outside of Mexico City, which is a huge 
garbage dump conflicts and these garbage dumps are basically running run by like crime family type folks hmm. who uh, will pay workers to pick through the garbage and i'm assuming find valuables or something like that um, okay so we went and like we brought a set up a tent in the dump to give basic food and rations and whatnot to the people who are working there and then also like pray over them and and like sing praise and worship music and stuff like that so hmm. it was is my understanding is it's it was kind of a mix of those things um you know and i will say because as we get more into this i'm probably gonna get more pissed off <laughs> but i do want to early on while i'm still Fair calm mm -hmm. be like you know find the positive where i can and i will say you know even though like okay kind of service tourism is problematic mm -hmm. and kind of you know it's all the colonial stick yes but um it was for me that was a very profound experience so yes. specifically working with the kids so mm -hmm. you know i will at least give it that is you know like going and and just making these human connections with people living a thousand miles away from me was really beautiful yeah and you know i mean i'm a it's funny how many of us are social workers i'm a social worker now, yeah you know yeah. i work in mental health <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know just the the evangelism side of it, not quite as keen on. Yeah. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. So I'm curious about, um, you know, you're growing up in this environment. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure out how to be masculine, right? Like reading <laughs> yeah. these books and, and oh like, my God. Duh, I don't understand this. Time. Um, but I'm also thinking about, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> thank you for revisiting it with us. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's helpful to at least the five people of the 10 listening. So, um, <laughs> oh, I mean, at least um, it's helpful to but me. I, um, I think I'm curious about how you started to realize who you were because, yeah. I know that growing up in that environment, we do not know about transgender oh, yeah. people. Like, we're not aware of Here's how little I knew. In my freshman biology class, we talked about intersex people, and I was just convinced. So this just both demonstrates how ubiquitous the gender identity thing was, even though I had no words for it. Uh, but also how little I knew about being trans. It's, at the moment I heard about intersex conditions, I was like, oh, Oh my God, I'm intersex. Thank God, I finally know. And I was checking my body for like signs of Whoa. like, and I started to develop this oh, whole thing no. in my head. Like, oh my gosh, they must have like, maybe I was like born ambiguous and like they had this surgery or something I didn't know about oh, it, or I've yeah. got like mixed genome or something. I was like, but oh, but I didn't. Yeah. That was the closest I had to any language about oh. it, and I wouldn't have even thought about like queer because I mean, right? It's you know, like queer people were those horrifying, you know, yeah. decadent people <laughs> yeah. who, I mean, just the, the shit that came out of people's mouths about about LGBT people was truly horrifying. horrifying. Like, mm -hmm. like just absolute pure bile would come out of people's mm -hmm. mouths at a casual dinner table with, you know, full of mm -hmm. children, impressionable yeah. children at Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah, exactly just as a matter of course. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, but let's see. Uh, I mean, I think I gradually had some sense that there were trans people out there. Um, yeah. But the, but all I knew about it was the only exposure I'd had to it was, was very, uh, pretty sexualized. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. like there was no, I didn't know that there were people out there who were just themselves and were trans and you know yeah. and every once in a while we'd see like a gender non-conforming person around ann arbor because it's ann arbor and yeah and you know without fail one of my parents would say some horrifying thing about it hmm. um so i i didn't and i couldn't relate to that you know to to i couldn't like put myself in the shoes of the person who my parents right. were disparaging so it took me a long time um but 
through high school, I kind of just, I don't even know. It was sort of just through an osmosis. I slowly mm. started to, it's more like I kind of came up with my own terminology that just happened to line up very, uh, very similarly, almost the same with the same terminology mm. that other trans women <laughs> had come up with independently, wow. you know, over the last like 50 years. Yeah. But it was, it was a bit like, uh, like I found when I first came out, I could relate much more to trans women who had come out in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Oh, interesting. You know, because like the, just what because their struggles of, yeah. were and kind of how they were perceived and the, mm -hmm. the lengths they had to wow. go to. The first, so I shadowed because, so I went to the University of Notre Dame for school and okay. I shadowed okay. there or did a whatever, orient, not orientation. I looked, we poked around campus, you know, with my family and I, <laughs> around. I love university. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love university, uh, libraries. So I, I went, mm. made a beeline to the library and I did have the presence of mind. At that point I had the term transgender. And so okay. I okay. went and I looked and I saw that they had a section on queer studies nice. and I found a reproduction of a diary of this woman named Candy Darling, who... Mm her and I could not be more different, but she was, a, <laughs> she was a Warhol girl. She was, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> who like left her home when she was 13. But wow. I'm re I, 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 I snuck into the, to the library. Um, I like told my parents I was doing something else. I couldn't even tell them I was going to the library cause it felt so like, <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. You knew um, that. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, like, I, I just read the thing from cover to cover oh. and I was bawling the oh. whole time. Like, oh my God, she gets wow. me. Um, wow. but then I repressed it, of uh, course. <laughs> sure. And sure. then I went away. I studied abroad in Rome. I think that was my okay. sophomore year. And it was the first time in my life I had not been, I was geographically separated from the community, Ooh, from my family. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, when I went away to college, I wasn't so much in community. I was expected because my grandpa paid for my education. I was expected to go to an Opus Dei thing because okay. they're Opus Dei. So I'm, I'm kind of a child of a charismatic renewal and Opus Dei, which are yeah. both extreme. Um, but, uh, oh, where was I going? Oh, yeah. So I go off to Rome. And it's the first time of any geographical distance. And it was like stepping out of like a bubble. Like, you know, I could feel mm. like just this huge weight. Like I, there had been a giant who's been just like stepping on me and squashing me my whole life. And all of a sudden that wasn't there. That oppressive wow. force wasn't there. So I, and stuff just started coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, and I was... Does. I I mean, in that kind of potentially self-destructive way when something that's been corked up and shaken your entire mm -hmm. life just suddenly is uncorked. I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to like, I literally had days where I was like, I'm just going to abandon my whole life and I'm going to like move to like oh, wow. Serbia, Croatia or something. I'm just going to take yeah. it and just start a whole new life and just like change <laughs> yeah. my name. And, yeah. you know, Did the space um, feel like really good. I mean, it was it was a conflictual space. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know how to feel. It yeah. was a little bit of everything. Yeah, but with well, the pressure being off, I just like, it's amazing. The first thing I thought was I just need to go as far away as possible and get yeah. as far away as possible yeah. from the life I have that now. Makes sense. I just need to yeah. run. Um, mm -hmm. So I came back mm -hmm. and something had just kind of switched. Like I, I just yeah. I couldn't put the genie back in the bottle. Right. I, it was, there's no one doing it. And I, from that point on, I started to be just kind of aware until I eventually just went out to, there was this, uh, like this man-made pond in the middle of my suburb. And I went, and I walked around it, went to this little gazebo and I just broke down mm -hmm. and just said, I am transgender. Wow. And from that wow. point on, it was like really just a matter of like, well, I was trying to figure out like, I was still Catholic. I was still charismatic. I still wanted mm, to be part yeah. of all that. Oh, man. So, yeah. oh my gosh, I. Oh, how do you what hold am those I together? Do? I like. I can no longer deny this about myself or say that it's some demonic thing that needs right. to be driven out of me. Right. Which mm -hmm. I mean, that's a whole nother side to it. But yeah. you know, I at, at that point it was it was pretty much sealed. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was going to come out eventually, and then soon after that, I told my parents. Okay. Hey, I'm really depressed. I need to see okay. a therapist. Thank God my mom listened to me. Uh, 
charismatic renewal is not great on mental health and right. my right. dad was kind of like oh yeah you know whatever i've seen depressed you're not really depressed um i mean i was, <sighs> I was borderline suicidal but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um yeah yeah well depressed looks different on everybody no kidding yeah yeah yes it does mm-hmm. um but i so then i was sent to a therapist who uh they made sure it was like i think it was recommended by someone in the community a catholic therapist it checked all right. these boxes so inevitably when i came out to him he gave me I, this isn't even the conversion therapy experience although he is was technically my first conversion therapist but Jeez. he gave me like just a stack of articles by joseph nicolosi the father founder of uh narth which is the it's like the catholic answer it's basically the catholic ex-gay Man. organization wow. um oh my god narth n-a-r-t-h i don't remember what it it, it doesn't stand for what you would think it would like it's yeah, I just pulled it up. It's National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. And therapy. Jeez. And yeah. therapy. Ther- big square oh, big, big, big oh, quotes. Yeah. Yikes. So I and I So and he, he gave you that as a resource. He gave, he gave me that as a resource. I so I read a whole bunch of articles and you know, and I was very I was, was I was in a very vulnerable place because Right. He was the first person I came out to. Wow. And Ugh. other than myself. Right. And, um, oh, my gosh. And I wanted to make this work somehow. I wanted to, like, not have my entire life fall around yeah. me. Because, you know, I mean, I had the basic awareness to understand what was going to happen to my life. That I was in, you know, like a pretty impossible situation just from what yeah. the... Uh, the with the environment i was in um, right so i you know once again kind of like with the the gender crap i really tried to swallow it you know and it yeah. it and it was it just it was like it's really messed up it's really insidious stuff because yeah um That's a good word you know basically the idea is that you can only be queer if you have like some major parent issues right mm. and or there's mm-hmm. some major abuse, which never mind all the people who are abused who aren't queer. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. also, but it, it puts, it sets up these weird double binds where there's just no way out because on one hand, the problem is precisely the kind of gender roles that are being set up. And then the other mm-hmm. hand, that's the solution, right? The problem right, is right. say what the only reason you're queer is because you've got an emotionally distant father. Oh, but your father needs to model proper masculinity for you, which involves being emotionally distant. And so they set up this thing where no matter what, you're you're, you're blaming yourself, you're blaming your entire family for making you into some sort of monster and then saying that, oh, if only we can resolve this, it'll get better. But there isn't really a resolution because, you know, it's like on one hand, oh, it'd be beneficial for you to like let out some of your sensitivity, like letting out some gas from out of a bottle, you know, but then you mm-hmm. have to really quickly like screw it on even tighter, you know, and like it, it's, it's insanity. It is, it is sick insanity. Um, but so that wasn't even my conversion therapist. That was oh, just the first boy. guy I ended up with. <sighs> I'm scared um, to know. But I luckily eventually I go back to school and there mm-hmm. I get a different therapist, a school therapist, and thank God I landed uh, this woman who was like, she was like a queer advocate at the school and Good. super, yeah, just like the right person for me to be talking to at that time. Mm-hmm. So that took some of the pressure off, but I, I just, I felt this need to divulge, which I think the community breeds into you. Mm-hmm. Um, I am like an mm-hmm. open book, <laughs> like many of us. I am mm-hmm. just like, I, it's like a switch. I'm either like very so guarded funny. or I'm just yeah. like spilling the beans. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that. <laughs> and uh, wow. so I, you know, like I just, and also just, I, oh, this might also be a community thing and a Catholic thing, mm-hmm. like this like need for truth with a capital <laughs> T, you know, yeah. um, but that combined with also this like new authenticity I was finding, I knew I right. could not keep it back yeah. any longer. So totally, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of that together, and I just without consulting my um, 
my therapist, I went and I told my parents, I came out to my parents wow. Uh, wow. when I was back for, was it Thanksgiving break? It did not go so well, uh, um, mm -hmm. as might be expected. Um, okay. but, yeah. uh, that whole period, I was a very strange mix of fatalistic and kind of very naive, but I guess mm -hmm. I had to be like, it was like, this was yeah. my only hope it was like this impossible hope that there was going to be some acceptance. Um, yeah. they, first they sent me to someone in the community who is a, uh, who is in youth ministry, who I also was one of my, an employer of mine, oh. um, and was Mr. Crazy Prophet Exorcist. Um, Lovely. yeah. Um, so they sent me to him where they're like, well, you like really accept, you, you really like, uh, they were like, you kind of set him up as like my role model. Um, and we're like, well, you should go to him because he's like, you're, he, he can give you good counsel. And I, and I mm -hmm. went to him and I was like, okay, here's kind of what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and he said, first, the first thing he said is, I don't understand why God sends all the fags my way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Yep. Um, and then he said, what? And then, and then after that, I didn't say anything else. And he just went and he, he said, I'm going to give you a prophecy. So if you go down this path, I wasn't even talking about a path. I was talking about, this is what I'm like, ah, this is what I'm like dealing with. Right. Hi, this like, is who I am. Yeah. 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 And he was like, if you go down this path, like you will lose everything and you will lose Christ and you will, and you will go farther and farther down the deceptions of Satan until Satan has taken your soul. And he wow. just gave me this whole like fire oh and brimstone thing. God. Yeah. And I, um, and I was in this very vulnerable right. place and it all went right. straight, straight the there, heart. right to my, just yeah. like right to my of heart. Oh, so, uh, I went home that day and I had, in retrospect, it was one of the biggest turning points in my life because I kind of had mm. this, it was almost a mystical experience because it, like, it was sort of ego death because oh yeah, uh, mm -hmm. it destroyed Oof. me. And I just went to the Ooh, woods in the back of my house and I cried and I cried and I cried because I basically, how it all computed in my head was God had made me to blot me out of existence and that I was basically created for hell. That and that there was no possibility of happiness. That happiness was just something I can't have of any kind. That I'm just like doomed to, just absolute because it's like either complete hell on earth right. or just right. hell. Um, right. So can't win either way. But that was that's such an impossible mindset to hold that it yeah. kind of just yeah. It, it's like an impasse. At some, it kind of just blew open my world in the weirdest way, where it was like oh, fuck, I have nothing to lose. Like, right. I have nothing right. to lose. It's hell um, either way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind wow. of was the start of the slow climb toward, um, toward, I wasn't even, I was like, I, there's no way I can transition. But like, I just, I, I cannot believe that I am like, inherently evil, not even for something I've did just yeah, for existing, for being you, you know, for just being, I just can't believe that. Yeah. Um, so maybe I can't transition. And I, at that point, I don't even think I could hold it in my mind that it was evil, but just like, okay, maybe it's not possible. Um, mm -hmm. with kind of what, what the, how Christians are these days, there's mm -hmm. this, that stupid, sorry, stupid ass Christian, uh, scripture <laughs> verse that gets thrown around, around a lot. Do not cause scandal to your neighbor. You know, it's like, uh, well, mm -hmm. you know, eating yeah. meat's not bad, but if other people don't want you to eat meat, don't cause scandal. Um, yeah. That got thrown around in my head a lot and also just from people. So at that point I was like, oh, well, I've got nothing to lose. And that was, that was the beginning of, of the slow, slow ascent. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what I realized is, okay, if this is who I am and I just have to live with that, and I don't know what I'm going to do going forward. I need to make some more allowances for myself. Yeah. I need to start expressing a little yeah. more, even if it was just, I mean, it was just tiny, stupid things that now I don't even think of, but like, <laughs> just, I, like, <laughs> I used to like get these, they were, they were plaid shirts, uh -huh. but they were mm -hmm. women's shirts. So the, all, the only difference was that the buttons were on the other <laughs> side. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, it was, but it was like, I needed yeah. like Something. a concession Something. that small. Yeah just mm -hmm. to pre like prevent me from breaking um yeah. 
But my parents noticed that I wasn't mm-hmm. exactly the same as I had been before. The first thing that happened mm-hmm. is my mom did deliverance ministry over me. Um, basically tried to do an exorcism to drive. She told me that she thought that there was a transgender spirit that had oh. entered me and had that I'd had a personality that's personality change was demonic. Oh my god. So she tried to wow. pray my soul away. That was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> um and then a few months after that I'd gone back to school. During Christmas break my parents had been noting that I was letting out a little Starting more to express yourself more. of myself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they uh made some decision right after I left and quickly drove to meet me right after I'd gone back to school hmm. and told me that they thought it was very clear that I was I was transitioning and I was no longer being uh, I was no longer being a brother to my siblings which is what they needed me to be. Oh. Oh. So they they had actually in the meantime they'd driven all the way to uh Chicago, I guess, outside Chicago to where my grandparents were, because my grandpa mm-hmm. uh, pays for my education, and talked to him, <sighs> and then came back to me and said, okay, so we've consulted with your grandpa, and he, you are not going down the path that he has envisioned for you, so um, oh, your no. education will not be paid for unless oh, you go to this no. conversion therapist, and oh, it just so happened God. that the uh one of the i think he was on the board of directors for narth and oh. one of the big wigs the narth big wigs happened to be in south bend so they sent me to that asshole wow um, oh man and oh. i and i knew at that point i knew these are what the statistics are for like transgender women and just transgender people and homelessness and and mm, that kind of thing i was yep. like I, I and i'm so close i had six months Jeez. left before i got my degree I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I can do it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was absolutely the worst six months of my life. Um, and my family is pulling farther away. And I'm forced to go to this this real just mind fucker of a therapist. I mean, at that point, at least I wasn't swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. But every, ther- every anti-therapy man... Uh, meeting we'll call it that Mm. Um, i was gonna say like from a social social worker to social worker like how does this happen how are they how does this guy have a license right like how does this guy have a license let this person graduate who it's It's crazy and if you go onto uh, like a focus on the family therapy list he'll be right there uh man saying here christians take this guy oh no um that's probably how my parents found him they probably found him through focus on the family or i don't know uh, something affiliated right infuriating right. oh my god but it was like a game of cat and mouse it was like a chess game for my soul it no. was he and the shit this guy said like he told me for example i was like one day i i had a moment of vulnerability and i just broke mm-hmm. down crying and was and he was like well why are you crying and i was like because love is completely conditional and my entire community i grew up with was a false lie and Mm -hmm. i don't think i'm really loved and he said well sometimes to be loved we have to first be lovable oh my (laughs) god ah yeah what this guy by the way co-wrote that one horrible article about trans people um that narth has put out Oh, good, great. So and, you went to just the exact right person. Yeah. Isn't that God's whole thing that you're lovable no matter what? Right. And he right. made you in his exactly. image. Right. And, and, you have inherent you know, dignity. And yep, yep. What on mm-hmm. earth? No, it was bizarre. Wow. I mean. Yeah, um, right. Even going back oh, wow. to, like, if he is a therapist and, like, I don't know if he's a counselor or a social worker, but even social work values will say, like, inherent dignity and worth of the person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no... This guy has no excuse. Yeah, it's I terrifying, right? Um, but the thing is, right, he is in a very small network of Christian therapists that right. the place we grew up in would refer you right. to. You know, right. for dealing oh, with these issues. It is yeah. a short list, and yep. it is lists that get circulated. These mm-hmm. are the people. Um, I, 
I was suicidal. I and mm-hmm. I skipped a number of sessions because I was like, if I I can't take it anymore, if mm-hmm. I go to yeah. one more, I'm 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 out of this world. I started like walking up and down the, uh, like a busy road, just like kind of like, you know, like thinking, oh, it would just take this, you know, and trying to almost yeah. trying to like dance on that line like, a little, dancing on that line, you know, because it's comforting to think like, oh, I mm-hmm. I can just end it any second. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Damn. But I did get through it. And I ran yeah. off to St. Louis and mm-hmm. had, I kind of had my, a new adolescence, the adolescence I never had, you know, oh. like being part of counterculture stuff and mm-hmm. smoking weed out of a beer can <laughs> under a freeway in a skate park <laughs> and like, yes. and like reading existentialist poetry in a queer yeah. cafe, yeah. you know, and like <laughs> meeting with a feminist group and like just all this, like that so you know, I, I got out and I like established a new foundation for myself. That's amazing. But mm-hmm. coming out of that, once I started coming out to people, like friends and whatnot in the community, um, basically after I, once I left, well, really just once I came out, it was like, com- I was completely out. I was just complete, like overnight. Yeah. Wow. Like there was, you know, and it was my entire life. So I kept two friends and a few other people. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another shout out to Lauren Schrader for, um, I briefly came back to Ypsilanti like, oh, maybe, maybe I can still live in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Maybe like I can still make some meaningful connections with people from my childhood. Um, I felt very, very unwelcome. And I was going to church in Ipsy, and I was just getting, and there was people from the community there, and they would just give me horrible death glares. Jeez. Whisper about me and talk about me right in front of my face. Oh, my and, gosh. In front of my face. And, um, what the hell? I, and so I was very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. I really, really, at that point, I was still Catholic, and I really wanted to still go to church. Uh, but it was, I was getting panic attacks. Yeah. Just like, of course, you know, kind of the hate I was getting, but I just want to give a shout out to Lauren Schrader for being a true ally and being like, she was like, I'm going to plant myself next to you. Oh, I will go. I will walk in with you. (laughs) You know, like I am going to just like be there next to you the whole time so that, you know, you feel safe and you feel like not everyone in the room is against you. That's so so kind. um, I'm so glad you had her. No, that was huge. It's sometimes it just mm-hmm. takes that one person. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's really powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. Anna, I'm curious. You mentioned at the beginning that you're inherently spiritual and mystical. How do you nurture that quality in yourself now outside of community yeah. and the like? Well, I did a hard reboot. <laughs> I was a hardcore atheist for, I guess, five years. Hardcore atheist for four years. Kind of, kind of like, cosmically mystical agnostic for maybe a year. Plus Zen Buddhism for about a year. Oh, cool. Um, but I, I just needed to like completely start from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know to um, yeah. To be able to have a spirituality, I needed to cleanse my palate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it, it's, you know, I uh, kind of just always followed me. I mean, if my, I think if my life had a genre, the magical realism, I just, <laughs> it's oh, just I love like, that. That's it's amazing. all the time, really. It seems like, um, so I, I just, I've never had a hope of totally denying what I see as that side of reality. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. I, so I kind of got back into spirituality through through Zen Buddhism because I was um, started getting really into cognitive science. Mm, okay. And yeah. as I got more into cognitive science and questions of consciousness, um, it's it's a very introspective science. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Buddhism has been doing the science of of mm. pretty like controlled, almost experimental internal monitoring of the mind and of the self for a very long time right um so i i got into and also zen is so it's so just like uh baseline like experience of the ineffable present moment that Mm -hmm. you don't even you don't need to 
get super theological about it. Yeah. It's, you know, right. it's, it's purely experiential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I, and I, so I read all of the, the early Chinese, the Chan Buddhists, the early Zen Buddhists. Um, and, uh, and that was kind of my pathway in. And then I, I picked up doing tarot reading as a way to kind of just like shank my superstitions <laughs> from childhood. <laughs> Like, oh, you're like, brave. Yeah, <laughs> this is not evil. I will do it. Yeah, I will do it. You know, I mean, my mom used to like, for some reason, I, I when we were in the bookstore, when we got if I got even remotely close to the tarot section, my mom would like cover my eyes and my ears for some reason. Like the spirit <laughs> guides were going to talk to me. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, um, I mean, we couldn't watch yeah. um, Jumanji. Because it had a Ouija board in it. You know, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, that stuff was, like, definitely welcoming dark evil spirits. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, no, it's all controlled by Satan. Right. It's real. Uh, The magic's real. And you'll get possessed, too. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if when you started dabbling in, like, the superstitions of our childhood, Mm. if you had any physical reactions. Uh, Because I know for myself, like, I one of the first things that comes to mind is I watched a movie that had mm-hmm. like a practice of voodoo in it and I had a panic attack because I was convinced that by watching this thing I was inviting something evil it like you were saying like a possession mm. um yeah I think I exposed myself slowly enough that it's I mostly avoid avoid any extreme reactions, but I still sometimes, um, actually, kind of the last few months because I've been processing a lot of this stuff. I just made a decision I was going to put a lot of my more spiritual magical books away in a closet oh, yeah. because I was just like I just need to have the space clear right now because I know what's going to trigger right. me. Yeah, um, because I do get triggered sometimes with with with. Uh, it's not even shame. It's really scrupulosity. Yeah. It's because it's it's going against my own experience and going against what I know and hold to be true. Right. You know, but that what if, that what if that can really just, you know, totally become a, a yeah. earworm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but I, I I was doing tarot and eventually I kind of mm-hmm. started realizing this was defying all probability. There is literally no possible way mm-hmm. that... Uh, like just you know the same cards were always coming out in the exact same positions at certain yeah. points in my life, hmm. and so that kind of opened the door to um, to it, which was important for me because growing up with charismatic renewal, I think okay, I'd say about ninety percent of it was bullshit and emotional <laughs> manipulation. Yeah, but the ten percent, mm-hmm. I I'm with you. Like I saw I'm things. With you. I like I've just seen too many weird, uncanny, so many crazy things happen. Whether it's an internal state or how just how a whole bunch of crazy things will line up perfectly mm-hmm. in absolutely incredible ways, and people come and give you messages, and mm-hmm. you know, and some of like the mind reading stuff and the energy transfer and it's like wild, you know, there's it's like it's tapping into something, and I yeah, and. I kind of, and I was really good at that stuff, yeah. you know, like I just, I, I really pick up on people's like that kind that whole realm thing, stuff, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. I like, I just, I've always been tuned into. Mm-hmm. So it was inevitable. I was going to come back to it and try to make sense of it uh, and try to figure out what that 10% is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's actually, that's, I would say that's a huge passion in my life is what is common to the human spiritual experience, mm-hmm. which is a project of reclamation, really, because it's like, no, that does not belong to you, charismatic right. people. You are abusing yeah. that. Yeah. You are manipulating that. You are using that as a way to catch people into your weird control cult yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but that's just part of being human. Right. Um, so it's been very important for me to i think eventually come back to that aspect of myself yeah and and revisit it um but yeah it it is weird though because there's 
it's been different stages of like sometimes something is just too close to community for me to touch with a 10-foot pole yeah other times it's actually really healing to re-experience a certain altered state of consciousness completely outside of the Mm. context of Mm -hmm. of demons trying to eat your soul while (laughs) jesus is trying to i don't know save you on the die for you i don't know (laughs) When, when that all that cultural stuff is removed then you can just have the pure experience on its own totally Mm. that was really well said yeah no kidding oh thank you (laughs) I really admire that you're still able to have a spiritual life that's Mm -hmm. well it took a lot of work I mean it took a lot of it's I think if I weren't for me the spiritual part of it is has been such a huge focus that like that's where the work has gone into right. you know so um but it definitely takes just you know it's time consuming to dredge through all that shit we were saddled with yeah yeah um it does but yeah no i'm glad too because um <laughs> i mean ultimately uh like i i think that my the various aspects of my spiritual life and practice are Mm -hmm. have gotten me out of what could have potentially been just intractable depression and anxiety for the rest of my life Mm, you know because obviously i've got cptsd Mm -hmm. just like crazy from multiple sources wonder why you can probably infer from the story (laughs) you know um but uh it's yeah you know it's for me it's really important to have that ironically to ground myself (laughs) actually you know like um it's I think I'm far more grounded if I'm pouring my spirituality into the life around me than if I'm holding it all in because it's like mm. it's like a river of rainbow goo that needs to actually come <laughs> out and flow into my life and yeah and like manifest yeah, yeah. be used yeah yeah and experienced. wow Anna thank you so much for reaching out and for coming on to the podcast I feel like the only word I can think of is blessed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel so blessed to have been able to talk no, to you. Let's reclaim that yes. term too. Yeah. Um, and I think blessings for everyone, right. not just for the charismatic yeah. Christians. Yeah. Bless all of you. And um, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I really do think we're like blessed to have you here today, and for everyone oh, to be able thanks. to hear your story and. Oh, man, I had a lot of physical reactions hearing that. Yeah, me too. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I totally respect what you're saying about, you know, it's not that I'm like a superhero for getting through it. We do what we have to do. You know, that's definitely true. But it it does also take a lot of strength. So I do admire that. Despite it being something you just kind of had no choice but to do. Um, you still did it and you still made the choice to do it. Yeah. And, uh, I really hope we can continue talking and, you know, stay in touch. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to stay in touch. And I, I'm again, so, so, so very blessed (laughs) uh, to, (laughs) to be on this podcast. It's no, seriously, like one of the most important steps toward the end of a healing journey is there's the the sharing and and networking with other survivors and then there's the reconnection with the world at large and you guys are providing both of those steps Mm. to a community that is by definition completely isolated because we've all been fucking ostracized or for the most part you know Mm -hmm. or just can't the doors are closed to us so Mm. what you are doing is really heroic like, I want to talk about heroism. Oh. Seriously, I just, like, I have so much admiration for what you guys <laughs> oh, are doing. Thank you thank so you, much Anna. from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> thank you, Anna. That's so powerful. It's very I'm, I'm just so, you know, it was, it started as, like, kind of a funny idea. So just the fact that it has kind of taken on this life, I don't want to be, like, falsely right? humble and be like, you know, oh, no, it's not. Because I know it has been really powerful for, for people and... Um, that is so cool to see. 
And I'm so glad well, that I uh, could yeah. be that. Thank for you, you again. I mean, I'm. Yeah. Thanks for being part no, of it. I'm getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of this. Well, thanks for allowing me. And thanks for allowing me to have a voice. Finally, just you know, I've been silent time. For yeah. A decade. That's so, ridiculous. And uh, I will probably, maybe, maybe not be looking at that list of therapists on the Focus <laughs> yeah. on Family site and yep. Yep. figuring <laughs> out how they're licensed. Down. So how to report? Get a little them. report. <laughs> dip, dip, dip. Yep. <laughs> um. <clears throat> you never heard me say it. Um, <laughs> thank you RC. all for listening. You can follow us at Covenant Community Kids on Instagram. And there's a Covenant Community Kids, the podcast Facebook page. And you can email at us at communitykidspodcast.gmail.com. Community <laughs> and we are trying to make just a little little tiny gentle push towards you know share things share things yeah on your own Post social about networks it. if you like the podcast we love hearing about it we also love when you tell your friends so yeah tell your and friends. when you engage in the comments online all that good stuff and uh yeah thank you guys so much for listening mm-hmm. do something nice for yourself if you feel if you feel shitty, do something nice for somebody else. <laughs> it helps. Goodbye.